Hi everyone, this is David Bazanis from Oldham Chamber and Economic Development. Welcome to the Oldham Business Podcast. Excited to be back in the podcasting studio. I apologize for the hiatus we've been on. We had two great banger episodes, Gant Jones, John Stewart. Got a lot of positive feedback, had great conversations with them. We have been covered up in the office. We've had new staff come in and out, and uh, we're getting back into this podcast schedule. Excited about this episode with Ryan Steele. Got one coming up with Dr. Molly Rutherford, where we're going to talk about COVID. So uh, be looking to your subscriptions on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as we keep rolling the, these uh, podcasts out for you. It's hot. Todd, it's August. We're at the end of August here. Just finished the Chamber Golf Scramble. And uh, excited to tell you about what's coming up for the fall. So sit back and let's uh, let's start the show. All right. Welcome, everyone. Glad to uh, have you back. Thanks for listening. Um, we are uh, trying to get this podcast back up and running. And so I've got a, a, a lineup of guests that we have scheduled, and so we're hoping to be able to crank these out uh, more regularly. So please uh, continue to, to be on the lookout for them. And also, we're excited to um, entertain your ideas for guests or topics you'd like us to discuss. You can send me an email at david at oldhamcountychamber.com if you have any uh, suggestions for things you'd like to hear on the Oldham Business Podcast. Um, I've got a couple of announcements I want to go through before I uh, set up our conversation with Ryan Steele today. We had our 2021 golf scramble at Oldham County Country Club. Uh, I want to thank Andy Strassbaugh and Norton Brownsboro um, Hospital for being our title sponsor for golf. But w- last year we went from our golf scramble is it's our most popular program. I think it's my favorite. I like being outside. Um, everybody's happy. It's Friday. Uh, it's just a good day uh, to network. It's a great location. Oldham County Country Club's beautiful. So it's been a really positive event for us for many, many years. I've been here since 2009, and we've always had a great golf scramble. But last year, 2020, was the first year we had rain during our golf scramble. And we actually had switched to have two flights, a first uh, a first flight uh, starting in the morning and then afternoon, second flight. So the first flight ended up getting rained out. Of course it did. It was 2020. It was our first event back from just trying to recover from COVID and figure out how to have an event. So there were a lot of restrictions. We changed the format of it. But, um, you know, the team here at the Chamber is fantastic. Heidi Ockletree, Sandy Hamilton, uh, you know, really were able to do a lot to make sure that that came off. So grateful for the team. We had Linda Tice at Oldham County Country Club as well. Um, and so we were, able to, we were able to get through it last year. This year we had sunshine and humidity, lots of water, a few beers, um, and really just a great turnout. Sold out both flights, sold out all of the sponsorships, had a lot of great uh, sponsors setting up on the, the tee boxes and a lot of games that were uh, going on in addition to golf that was, that was pretty fun. So um, also want to be uh, grateful to our volunteers. A lot of people that just um, ask us what we need, and uh, oftentimes it's just extra bodies to help carry things and register people and make sure everybody's being ten- tended to. So... Uh, have a long list of volunteers, but if you volunteered for our golf scramble, thank you very much for uh, being part of our chamber. Um, got our leadership Oldham County class that's going to fire up here in September. That's another COVID casualty we had uh, in our programming last year. The leadership class is a nine-month class. Um, we capped the attendance at 15, so we're actually, you know, we have last year's class that we're going to try to start again. 
Um, and I believe we're sold out or close to sold out for next year's. But if you're interested in our Leadership Oldham County class, um, which is sponsored by Champion Chevrolet, Fred Tolsdorf, I thank him for uh, – he's been a sponsor of that, that program for many years. But if you're interested in leadership class, uh, please contact us here at the office. You can con- contact me, David, at OldhamCountyChamber.com. But leadership class takes a full day once a month. All your meals and transportation are provided, and we visit various parts of the county, whether it's the local government, the tourism, the uh, best-kept secrets. We tour the prisons. We go to Frankfurt. Um, It's really a great opportunity to go through some professional development, meet a lot of the leaders in Oldham County, um, and you really build a great camaraderie with your fellow classmates. We end the... um, session, the nine-month session with a alumni luncheon that we just started uh, the year before COVID. So um, we had a good turnout for that. We're hoping to grow that and, and encourage the previous classes, uh, many of the class members that still stay in touch with one another to, to come to that luncheon. So if, if you're hearing, it for this, uh, hearing this for the first time, be on the lookout. If you if were in one of our previous Leadership Oldham County classes, um, if you'd like to come to that lunch, luncheon, we'd love to have you. So that, that'll likely be in the spring of next year. So Leadership Oldham County is kicking up. And uh, thank you, Champion Chevrolet. Um, and also, Oldham County of the Year. We're accepting nominations for the Oldham County of the Year Award. So if you know somebody in Oldham County who works or lives in Oldham County who's contributed significantly to the growth and the business community, um, who's volunteered, who's done, uh, gone above and beyond at serving, uh, in the community, and you would like them to be considered, please uh, please look for our weekly update. You can go to our website at oldhamcountychamber.com, and you can find a form to fill out and uh, nominate someone. We're trying to change the event a little bit. We want it to be more inclusive to uh, all professionals. It seems like when you do Oldham County and or, or Person of the Year type awards, you you got it. You have a fairly small in, in small communities. You get a small pool of people that, that tend to come to those. So we want to we want to expand that. We don't want just a lot of the uh, let's say older people uh, who've spent a lot of time volunteering and 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 doing business in Oldham County. We want to open this up to to the new professionals and and a lot of people that have just moved to Oldham County perhaps or just moved their business to Oldham County. We want to make sure they feel included and part of the event too. So we're expanding some of the awards in addition to the Oldham County of the Year Award and the Basham Development Award that we'll uh, give out to a business for an economic development project this year. We also have a Young Professional Award that we're going to give out. And so um, if you have someone you would like to nominate as a Young Professional of the Year, um, please consider reaching out to the Chamber and mentioning that to us, and we will include that in the program. I believe um, we're sometime in November. Um, I'll be more specific with those dates once we actually have everything pinned down. So be on the lookout for that. One final thing before I talk about this episode as we go up. Um, for many of you who know, we have had some ch- turnover in our chamber director position. Um, Clancy Fulkerson had joined us back in April, and we were very excited to get Clancy. We had had some turnover. We had COVID. We had no events. And it really is a great job working for the Chamber of Commerce. You get to meet a lot of interesting people. You get to be around a lot of interesting projects. And you really can see the value of your work that it, uh, when you connect people to one another and it benefits them or helps them grow their business, doing ribbon cuttings, it's, it's really just a wonderful uh, place to be. And it takes a special person who knows how to engage people, but they can be detail-oriented. They can, they can execute the details of pulling off a large-scale event, but they also can be personable and give people time and help them connect with people. So it's a, it's a broad skill set. 
And it's hard to find great people for a lot of things, but this is something where we need somebody kind of special. And Clancy Fulkerson had come to us from Girl Scouts of Kentuckiana, and she was really just uh, doing a great job, and I was very excited about the future. Unfortunately, Clancy's husband, who is a golf pro, um, has uh, been recruited and taken a job uh, in Houston, Texas, so she is moving. So we've, we're just kind of getting going, uh, and now we're starting over. So I'm in the po- process of interviewing. I may have a hire uh, here very shortly if we can work something out there. Um, I might be back on this at the next podcast asking for you to put submit your resumes. But uh, just wanted to let you know that the, the chamber is going to go through some growing pains here. But in the meantime, myself, Sandy Hamilton, Heidi Ockletree, and Mindy Arney, who is a new uh, addition to our office, uh, are here to serve you in any capacity that we can. So um, if you have any uh, questions about any of those events or uh, any of that information, please feel free to reach out. And with that, I'll uh, go ahead and kick off this episode. I do want to introduce Ryan Steele. Ryan is um, he is the grand uh, grandson of one of the living legends in Oldham County, and he's the third generation of a machine uh, shop, a CNS manufacturing that is an advanced manufacturing uh, shop. They make uh, I, I I was able to tour his facility a few months back, and it was really very impressive when you go in and you see what manufacturing these days means to kind of manufacturing in, in my grandfather's time when he worked at the, the Crayler factory. But he uh, this this technology and the tools and the things that they were building in this this place just, I mean, it made me feel like a kid again, made me want to go, uh, go to manufacturing school. And it got us talking and thinking about trade schools. You know, we have a very successful uh, advanced manufacturing program at the Arvin Center. And uh, Matt Watkins there, who I am trying to, corral onto the podcast to talk about that. We wanted to show a light or shine a light here in Oldham County on some of the types of career paths that don't just include uh, office or entrepreneurship. And, uh, and while well, obviously they might include entrepreneurship, uh, Ryan actually uh, has a great story about their business and, and how he got into the role that he did there. But it is something that we hope is uh, inspiring, but also is something that a lot of kids who aren't necessarily interested in college or cut out for college, perhaps, uh, or maybe if you're not really excited about what college has to offer these days, I know that that's a pretty common conversation, and I think Ryan and I touched on that a little bit in this conversation. But uh, I'm very grateful for him to take time to uh, come out and talk to us. We hope that he um, is interested in moving his business to Oldham County, and uh, he's uh, an impressive professional and a, a great guy to talk to. So I think you'll enjoy this, this conversation. So without further ado, uh, Ryan Steele from CNS Manufacturing. <laughs> All right, I'm here with Ryan Steele from CNS Machine. Ryan, welcome to the Oldham County Business Podcast. I think that's still the name. It's been months since we've recorded. Thank you for having me. We um, are excited to have you here in uh, the heart of downtown LaGrange, the nerve center of Oldham County, uh, right here in the Chamber Podcast Studio. Um, I met Ryan through uh, a meeting we had with uh, Judge David Vogel. Um, you are from Oldham County. You're, um, what generation is your business on at this point? I'm number three. Okay. Um, we kind of skipped number two, but it was right? started by my grandpa. And then uh, second generation was kind of absent. And then I'm, I'm generation three. Okay. So well, I want to unpack that. Your, your grandfather... Uh, is also his is a living legend, literally here in Oldham County. Was uh, memorialized nice in, a, in a paper. Yeah, Nancy Tice did that story, I think. 
Um, tell me about him and tell me about the history of the company and then tell me about how you, especially, you know, you had this gap. Um, tell me about how you came to the family business. Okay. Um, well, my grandpa, uh, his name's Bob Steele. He's what just happened? Oh, you good? Yeah, I'm good. I saw a new light. light. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Um, he started the business with a partner um, named Ronnie Cook back in 1969. And my grandpa came from nothing. He's one of nine. Um, so he had seven brothers and a sister. And the sister actually passed away as a, as a young child. Um, but uh, he and his brothers have grown up, like I said, from nothing. Um, they had a pretty rough upbringing. They spent a lot of time in the projects, Cabbage Patch, all Louisville boys. Um, and they all kind of helped each other out along the way. It's funny enough, those guys, uh, they still get together and all of them, but one, um, still living. He had a truck accident, uh, back in the, I want to say the seventies or eighties and passed away. His brother James did, but oh, wow. um, yeah, it was, it was the oldest brother. Um, but he had a, he had a big impact on my grandpa. Approximately where was your grandfather in the birth order here? Uh, he was, his sister would have been, I think, the oldest, and then James, who passed away, and then my grandpa. So okay. as of right now, he's the oldest of all of them. Wow. And um, most of them are in Louisville. Um, there's one in southern Indiana and then another one in Marshall, Texas. And uh, But they all still get together. They talk regularly. Um, even, you know, most of them are in their 80s. They're all relatively healthy, other than some joint replacements here and there and some <laughs> knee surgeries. But, uh, you know, they've all just had a really good working class family. And like I said, they all came from nothing. And uh, it's been pretty cool to see them, all of them be successful in their own regard. And um, so he actually dropped out of school in the ninth grade. Um, he was never really a, a, a school lover, um, but he was always very sharp. And they grew up down off 6th Street, Breckenridge area, 6th Breckenridge. And um, forget how old he was at the time because I know he got held back a few times, but he might have been a 16-year-old ninth grader, who knows. But uh, he, he kind of walked out on that, and uh, he said he wasn't fit for it. He said that was enough, and ended up enlisting in the military after doing some odd jobs and things like that as a kid, enlisting in the military at, a, I think, underage, had his mom sign for him. You know how that goes. Wow. Yeah, and uh, was actually active duty during the Korean War, um, stationed, I believe, in Puerto Rico. Um, but... A lot of cool stories from that, and, you know, he'd send money home and things things of that nature, but I believe uh, he ended up coming home, uh, got discharged early. Now, if I remember correctly, it was due to some family sickness or somebody was in bad shape, and um, he came here and started working. He was an aircraft mechanic in the Air Force, and so he was always mechanically minded. Um, he had to get his GED and all that to get in there, obviously, but um, he came back and started in a machine shop and said he absolutely hated it. Oh, hated, really? Hated every minute of it. And um, why, I don't know. But I guess it's kind of like what happens to us. You get bit by something, and yeah. you you may not love it at first, but it kind of gets in your blood. And right. once you understand it, and you may get better at it, you uh, you get hooked on it. And that's kind of how he was. So I won't bore you with all the, the details of how he got from that first job to where he was. But long story short, once he was a journeyman machinist, he, uh, I guess, saw – these guys at businesses um, not running them the way he would or maybe not doing the right things for customers and, you know, not having much flexibility with their their lives. And he said, I, I want to do this on my own. And um, there was another guy he worked with who I don't think was as good of a machinist as he was. He was um, – but he, he needed a partner. You know, it was a 
our industry is a huge cost to enter it. Um, it's not like, you know, somewhere you can buy a lawnmower and start a right. business or, um, you know, be a middleman of distributing. You know, you've got to have a lot of capital to buy the equipment in our industry to start. Right. So you either need a backer that loves you and believes in you, or you need to get really creative with a partner and start with some used equipment and things like that. So sure. back in the day, he, uh, I think he borrowed against an insurance policy, you know, a whole life insurance policy, which I think most of us know those aren't the yeah. greatest investments, right, but right. Uh, he had one at the time and it ended up being a saving grace. He borrowed against that. And um, I think he and his partner started the business with five grand and it was, wow. it was in the back of a, um, Actually, it's where our building is now, but uh, Ronnie Cook, which is the C in C and S, C uh-huh. Cook and Steel, his mother um, had a house on Fitzgerald Road um, right next to old Fitzgerald Distillery. And he, uh, they were like, all right, mom said we can uh, we can start this business in the back of, of her garage. And I think it was like 180 square feet. Oh, my gosh. And um, well, Around what year was this? Uh, this was in 1969. Oh, wow. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, $5,000 was a lot. Yes, um, and they bought a lathe and a mill, and um, you know, in our industry too, accuracy is a big thing. Mm-hmm. So, equipment that we do, I mean, we're holding extremely tight tolerances down to cellular level in some cases. You know, 10, 20 microns. Uh, back in those days, everything was intense. They didn't really believe in the metric system yet, and um, you know, you have to do our conversions and stuff. But long story short, very tight tolerances. Um, in order to achieve these tolerances, you got to have a really stable machine, an a accurate machine, a well-built machine. You also need to have it um, on a real floor, and they had to start on a dirt floor, oh, and, which wow. is just crazy to think about how they got it done and all the little workarounds they had to do to, to meet these tolerances back, back then and keep their customers happy. So they grew slowly but surely, added on to their little shed. Um, we still have pictures of it on our our Facebook page and website and stuff. And the shed was about as humble beginnings as it gets. You know, when it rained, they'd be in there. And I guess by today's standards, it'd be like muck boots. Sure. Nasty old floor and it's muddy. And uh, they they made it work. So they built their first building in 73, four years later, um, which is now what's called our building one, houses our office and then a lot of our firearms and suppressor manufacturing. And then they continue to grow, good things happen. And his, um, his, his partner and him kind of don't see eye to eye. I think his partner was pretty satisfied on where they were. And, um, you know, just like a lot of people, a lot of business minds, you know, you're not really, you don't know what you're chasing. You might be a little perfection or just chasing a, a new challenge. And that's kind of how my grandpa was wired of, I don't want to do the same old thing every day. Let's, right. let's continue to grow the business, new customers, new challenges. Let's keep going. His partner didn't really see eye to eye with that. So my grandpa uh, bought him out. And 83. And from what I understand, the business uh, cash flow wise was maybe wasn't in the best spot at the time. Um, from what I understood, it was kind of a used as a lifestyle company by the other partner. And sure. I won't get into all that, but um, it's not like there was a, a pile of money laying around. Right. And um, at the same time of the buyout, he wanted to uh, expand the building. And by, I guess, the scale of what we have now, um, or what building one was, he wanted to almost triple the size of the building with no new employees, no new customers, just said, <laughs> well, we're going to need more space. Let's build a building and basically finance the buyout and the, the, the new build all into one. And the bank was like, you're insane. <laughs> well, he had a good relationship with a guy that believed in him. And um, I want to say it was like a 1.2 or $1.5 million note. Um, wow. And it was a, it was a five-year note. And um, he, he 
won their their trust, won their faith, got it, and ended up paying it off in three years. Wow! And so that was, I think, once that happened, there was there was a, a really good tailwind, yeah. and um, so that would have put it around nineteen late eighties that that it got paid off, and um, you know there was a good tailwind and some good momentum, and he actually retired in in eighty nine and um, or ninety. I was born in eighty nine. And uh, I don't know if I'm supposed to age myself on no, here. No, that's but, good. Uh, I mean, there you I, go. Everybody's welcome. Man, I was a uh, freshman in eighty nine. Gosh, <laughs> I didn't. I thought we were closer together than that. But no, no chance. Uh, all right. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> but um, <laughs> at that point, I think he wanted to plan an exit strategy. You know, it's American dream. Uh, I think people he had it figured out back then is wealth isn't isn't material things. It's not um, things you can hold. I think it's freedom. Yeah. And I, I think our generation. I'm going to age you with me now. That's good. Uh, our, that. our generation is kind of believing in that more so than maybe our predecessors. And yeah. I feel like he was ahead of his time in that because he, he retired at 53 and had, you know, from he's still living, still healthy. Um, yeah. So he's had 31 years of his life that he didn't have to worry about work. And I think that's really cool. And, um, you know, it's not material things, but that freedom to be able to do what you want with your family, with your friends, how yeah. you want um, is, is super valuable. So he did that, was fortunate enough to have a, um, a plant manager and promoted him to president and ran the company for about 20 years. And business expanded a little bit, um, kind of expanded out of the job shop realm, you know, the yeah. repair-only type stuff and introduced production machining. And um, from there, you know, we our kind of crew came in in 2010. And um, I think that president wanted a kind of an exit strategy. My grandpa wanted one for him too. So everything would kind of work. And, um, you know, I started there. I remember I was taking down light fixtures and remodeling a conference room, you know, doing just handyman type work. I hate that term, but um, right. that's, that's the reality of it. Uh, when I was a, I think a sophomore or junior at UofL and, um, I just helped whatever I could and had the, you know, the, I was fortunate enough to work with a lot of smart people that taught me a lot. I was a dumb old kid, didn't know anything. And, but there was a lot of flexibility, and I got to, you know, work in quality some, worked in shipping a lot, sales, accounting, um, and just a lot of the engineering stuff. And that's right. where, you know, you, you learn the nuts and bolts of it. And slowly but surely, you know, the I guess that management team at the time, most of them were um, wanting to either move on or move out. And I, I think they were, we were trying to introduce some new stuff and, and challenge the business. And, um, you know, we, things kind of started turning over, um, I think, in a good way. And, you know, our team has slowly done what we've done. And, and you know, since that time, I, I want to say our, our business is almost uh, approaching 10 times what it was 11 years ago. And which, wow. is, which is pretty wild. That's um, incredible. But we've entered new markets, new stuff, um, you know, new customers, and really had the chance to organically grow with our current customers. It's not like we're beating down their door saying, what do you got for us? It's you do a good job, you treat them right, you're trustworthy. You're honest with them, right. um, even good news and in bad, and you know magically your relationship will continue to grow. Right. And you know there's there's been times along the way where we've we've lost some customers and it stung at times, uh, but we feel like for long term play it was best for us. And you know that's kind of where we got to where we are is just be good people, sure. be honest, sure. and, you know be faithful to your customers, take care of them, and most importantly be faithful to your employees and take care of them because without them. Right. No, nothing's possible, you know. 
Well, it's, uh, you know, something that's a recurring theme uh, with the business owners that we work with in the chamber. And even the, you know, we, we've done a podcast with Gant Jones and uh, John Stewart, both who uh, coincidentally happen to be architects. But but also, you know, here we are at a, at a theme again where, you know, you have these people with these exceptional businesses and skill sets that they developed over time. And you, you just keep pulling the layers back and you end up at some point where there were some parents that were involved and putting them around things that were uh, had responsibility. You know, you talked about just kind of being a dumb kid around the, the shop and some of those types of things. I, I'm a, a dumb kid, former dumb kid that was around our my uh, family shop. But it's really neat uh, t- to work with the chamber and with all of the different types of businesses we work with. There's a lot of a lot of families, um, not just the small merchant shop owners or restaurant owners, but uh, really large-scale businesses here in the county that have multi-generational uh, past, but also um, just where, you know, the, the responsibility to, we want to rear our children to have a sense of your work can also be uh, that access uh, to freedom uh, that so many people uh, are pursuing in culture these days. You know, um, I remember when I got out of college, uh, a lot of my peers were going on to some some larger uh, companies and and whatnot, but, uh, you know, you, you tack a future 500 name to a job, um, and you still might just be in a cubicle farm somewhere or some sort of a, sure. a cog in a wheel, which isn't a bad thing necessarily and can provide a lot of opportunity. But one of the things that I think is so important about the types of businesses and, and part of the reason we asked you to uh, be willing to sit down for the podcast is um, I'm a strong believer that in that atmosphere is not just great for the business uh, or even just the business community, it really builds the culture of, of our entire society when you have people that are investing, taking risks, looking for that, what good or service can I provide that gives me the freedom to live the life that I want uh, while I'm raising people that kind of think similarly. And I think I think all of us win collectively um, as that's out there. So um, I always love these types of stories, and it was one of the things that um, you can really, as soon as you meet with people, you can kind of pick up on that dynamic uh, in them and you can kind of see like, Oh, I bet this is, this feels like the type of person who is coming from a background that's very similar to what you're laying out. It's, I, I always, uh, I'm good friends with our CPAs, great guy, they're a great company. They, he's, he's also kind of a professional mentor to me. And I remember early on when I first met him, a word he threw around a lot with his team and just personal and family was the word grit. Mm. And I don't think grit is, as something that, everybody has enough right. of, you know, right. I don't think anybody has enough of it or too much. You know what I mean? There's, sure. there's no such thing as either. And I think it's either, you know, you, you come from a, you've got really good mentors along the way, or um, you, you experience a lot of things in your childhood and your upbringing that maybe weren't good or right. favorable. And that kind of molds the mind. Sure. It, it calluses your mind, you know, you go sure. numb to a lot, but at the same time you don't realize it, but there's something burning inside you that you don't even realize is on fire until right. it starts kind of cutting loose. Well, having a grandfather that had his <laughs> had his mom get him into the military because he was underage. I mean, that's there's the that's kind of a source of grit right there. I don't think there's a ton of uh, people doing that nowadays uh, culturally. You know, highly doubtful. Yeah, it's yeah. it's not as common. I would say no. Um, I I uh, will probably venture back into some of this uh, territory, but I also, um, you know, you mentioned uh, uh, gun parts. I mean, just you know, just to kind of give a sense of the types of things that you work on, 
um, when Judge Vogel and I visited and, uh, and got to see your operation. It was very impressive. One of the things that you said that uh, resonated with me uh, as you were talking to uh, us and giving us a tour was uh, that, you know, between uh, Judge Vogel and myself, we could probably work much of the equipment by the end of the day um, just because of how the technology had advanced to the point where um, you can train people. Um, I had asked you, to, you know, do you need a certain certification? What does it take to be an employee here? And your response to me was, you know, that you can pretty much, uh, you guys will work with anybody um, right. as far as if, they, if they're showing an inclination and a desire to work, um, that you can bring them on site and train them. And I know that one of the uh, largest challenges uh, facing all industries right now, uh, but particularly in the construction and the advanced manufacturing area, are um, finding employees. So tell me a little bit about your employees and, uh, you know, where those uh, those those come from. Tell me about, and before you get to there, I, you know, we talked about Grandpa. How did you enter into the equation to where you're at the in the in the leadership role that you're in now at the company? Um, so you you were you were emptying trash cans and sweeping floors maybe at some point, but I'm I'm really good at sweeping floors. Yeah. I excel at that. I still do it to this day. Um, I think I've got some obsessive compulsive disorder traits that or both a blessing and a curse. Um, I will still sweep a floor better than anybody, I think, or at least compete for that job. But, um, yeah, actually, my dad, who's – I haven't – won't go down that path, but we're I haven't talked to him in over a decade. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen him. Um, fun fact, I think he's been in more Oldham County mug shots than anybody <laughs> else in our family. But, I mean, that's one of those things that can influence you. You can decide how you react to that, and I think that – seeing the path that he chose because he worked at CNS. He uh, mm-hmm. actually got fired from CNS when I was wow. a kid. And that was kind of the trigger. We used to live in Shively. Um, fun fact, we, um, another one, we're two for two now. Yeah, We lived in Shively about a mile and a half from our plant right now. Wow. And um, once he lost his job, um, just for, I guess, not showing up is the story I was told, um, he, he was out of work and needed a place to go. And um, I think with a little bit of encouragement from other family members and a little bit of help. Uh, my family relocated to Peewee Valley, which is actually kind of where I rooted and grew up, went to school there. And so he lost that opportunity, he chose sure. to lose that opportunity. And that's why there was another guy throughout my whole life um, who ran the business while my grandpa enjoyed retirement. Sure, um, I could have very easily chosen that same route and kind of had that mentality where hey, my grandpa or our family owns this, I'm better than you, and you, you just can't roll like that. Right. It didn't work out well. You know, there's a great example in why that doesn't work. Sure. And so when I came in, I've always been a really mechanical person. I was the idiot kid taking bikes apart and uh, trying to put them back together, building dog houses as an 8-year-old. I remember putting in lights for my family uh, on, the, on our deck. I think I was 10 or 11, and I had found this box that – I think it was a gift or somebody bought like nice deck lights from Home Depot or something uh-huh. and they just never put it in and one summer day I I don't there was no Google back then I don't think but I read the directions and wired it up and had some nice deck lights for our family but oh, that's cool that was uh that's just how I'm wired sure and so this industry was it was a blessing in disguise I went to I started out in speed school and didn't really fit in with the engineers no offense to engineers I just sure. don't consider myself one and ended up uh, transferring over to business school at UofL and studied finance because my family wasn't great with money, and I wanted to understand how money worked and how the markets worked, and that's the reason I chose that. And 
had no idea where I would end up in life with it. But um, where would you say that interest was like? What was informing that interest? Do you just feel like that was part of how you were made up, or do you feel like there were some influences that steered you towards some of those? Uh, I mean, to go from kind of what you're talking about to speed school, um, you know, I had a, a grandpa step. on my mom's side who was a very, very big influence in my life. Um, he passed away in 2010, but he was an IBM engineer. He also came from nothing. Had a dad that was a real bad alcoholic, and uh, but he had an extreme desire to learn, to better himself, to better sure. his family, and just take care of of what needed to be taken care of. Right. And he was a, a great father figure to me as well. And um, you know, again, somebody that would just challenge you. And he was a big encourager of speed school. You yeah. know, and one of his his sons went to uh, the Air Force Academy and graduated with a degree in civil engineering and flew planes for UPS his whole life. And so um, just kind of that work ethic and that drive is is in the DNA, if that's right. possible. But he, he encouraged a lot of that and, you know, would he'd coach me on finances, uh, nutrition. I remember I was never a huge kid, but he, I want to say in high school, he started giving me protein bars and stuff. And I'm yeah. like, oh, these <laughs> things are disgusting. I don't want to eat these. But, you know, I, I trusted his judgment. And, right. um, you know, I, I believed everything he told me. And he was a great influence. And he kind of started that speed school route. And I know me kind of transferring out and going to the business school, I don't think he liked that. But at the same time, I also think he he believed in me and said, you know, do what you feel is right. But, right. you know, a degree in finance, it was – it was still difficult. It was, um, it's something you can apply your whole life. And I do think it's helped me, um, in my job. In some cases, I won't go down why I don't really believe in college as much as a lot of people do. But, um, I do think there's some bits and pieces of it that have helped me. Yeah. But when I started there, um, like you said, it was just knickknack stuff, wherever, whatever needed attention. You know, the company hadn't really been invested in a whole lot at that time. I mean, you got to think too, this is coming out of the economic downturn, 08, 09. Sure. Um, so, I mean, in, in the defense of the company and everybody there, they, they were already in an uphill battle. Right. Um, but there was almost very little technology. I think the newest machine was probably eight to 10 years old, something like that. Wow. And um, you know, it's, they survived though. You know, that, that's what was cool. They survived, but you know, you walk through the plant it, and it looked like it went to war and survived, yeah. you know, it was rough. And, <laughs> Um, what's cool is is a good a good bit of those guys are still there and they you know stuck it out and you know really seen it change and develop and have helped be part of that change. But um, you know you work a little bit here and there and on like I said quality shipping accounting hanging lights taking things down destroying things uh, cleaning things you you kind of learn and right. you go into it with a mentality of hey can you show me that ask a lot of dumb questions you know I, I kind of liked your you're a former dumb kid as well. I feel yeah. like that could be a yeah. pretty cool T-shirt. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, you, you go into that humble mentality and you show that vulnerability to people and say, hey, can you show me this? They'll, they'll take a liking to you yeah. um, or at least pretend to. Yeah. But they do want to help. And that really helped me out a lot. And I'm sure I asked thousands of dumb questions and slowly learned that way. And just by means of attrition and things kind of just happening, um, Know, there was a day I remember um, our general manager at the time, he lived very close, and he, he just said, you know, I, I don't think I can do this anymore. I think I was 23 and was like, holy crap, now what? You know, because he was a mentor. He was a great guy, right. smart guy, um, very experienced in the industry, and just said, I, I don't want any part of this, and, and 
kind of left in a ball of flames. It was very out of character, but it, it was weird. Um, wow. Caught us all off guard. And I remember uh, calling my grandpa, and I was like, hey, look, um, I know we've had some turnover here recently, and I think at the time I was a project manager, which is kind of code for whatever the company needs. We're sure, not that right. big to where um, at that time it was really a, a big deal. And I called him, and I said, let me take a crack at this. This, this can't be rocket science, you know? Now, and had you had you been – had your mind been – kind of moving in that direction where you were thinking that is a possibility or did the necessity just create a situation where you're like, I think okay, it's always it. in the back of your mind. Like I think, um, anybody with that mentality or like I said, that grid or that drive, um, you know, you don't go on a football team and say, I, I hope I get a Jersey. You know, right. you're like, I want to be the quarterback. I want right. to, I want to start. I, I want to win a championship. Um, if you don't go in with that mentality, I don't think yeah. that's the right mentality. And so, I mean, in my head at all times, I would, I, you know, I had no skin in the game. I had, no promise of anything, um, you know, I, I had none of that, but it, I was the whole time thinking, I can do this, Yeah, you know, if it came down to it, yeah, you can do it, and the whole, once that opportunity presented itself, it was like, all right, this is a reality. And what I was your grandfather's response when you said, hey, let me go and crack it, at this? It's so Bob Steele, it's hilarious. I remember where I was standing when I called him, and uh, I was back in our little engineering office after our general manager just left in a ball of flames. He actually tried to come back and said, uh, all right, I'm back now. And I was like, dude, you just quit. And you, you kind of left the place in shambles. It was kind of unprofessional. Maybe you should just go yeah, home. Right, right. And um, after that, I called him and I said, hey, this just happened. Um, I think I can give this a shot. And he's like, all right, you got it. <laughs> I was sitting there thinking like, oh, God, you know, now what? And he said, uh, holler at me if you need anything. I'm just sitting there thinking, like, holy, what is he doing right now? Right. Is he – I have no clue. And I don't know if he even understood the, I guess, the mass of the situation. You know, we've got – at the time, we had probably 30 families that, you know, depend on the business. And, you know, the kingpin just kind of walked out on yeah. you. And uh, I think I'm 23, um, not married, just graduated school a couple <laughs> years ago, and I, I'm doing whatever the company needs help with. And – uh that's what his response was. You got it. He probably saw this coming years prior. I think in some it was way, like shape a, or form. I think he really wanted it to happen. Yeah. Um, long term. Um, I yeah. think if you asked him, you know, that anybody wants their legacy to continue. Sure. And um, I think it it kind of left a gap in him with my my dad kind of failing out of sure. that opportunity, and I think there was something missing there. Yeah. And so, I, I think it really kind of made some things click. Now, yeah. I'd be lying to you if I said. Um, there, there wasn't doubt, right. you know. Um, right. I'm sure there was doubt in his mind, like, holy crap. But, right. you know, you just kind of roll with it, and you got to believe in yourself. And, you know, I believed in him, he believes in me, and I yeah. believe in our team, you know, because that, that's one thing that kind of made me fearless with it is we, we, have, we have a lot of smart people, people way smarter than me. Uh, we've got a great team. And at the time, we had a lot of guys that um, were kind of in that flux mode. Um, they knew the past and knew what happened, um, but they were also on board with what we wanted to do with the future. And that's what gave me a ton of confidence. If I was sure. starting with a blank slate, nobody, yeah. I'd have been terrified. And fortunately, we had a, a pretty good nucleus of people that kind of helped bridge that gap. Well, it's uh, it's interesting to me that a 23-year-old, I would say kid, I mean, 23-year-old is dumb kid, incredibly young. Yeah, dumb kid. I think kid. it was 24. I think it was 2014. But, but even around that, it's yeah. just being in your uh, 20s to have uh, to have a team around kind of, uh, work with you, embrace the idea, and and move it to the next level is a pretty unique thing. So it, it speaks a lot to the team environment, I think. I mean, 
you know, you get a lot of scenarios where, you know, your name's one of the names on the, on the sign too. I'm sure there's uh, a lot of multi-generational businesses struggle with succession plans uh, and how those various really sensitive relationships work, especially around the C-suite and um, some of that. So, and your customers want to see that, that you know, if they, if they see, if they see an, an older owner that's uninvolved, I mean, they want that continuity. Hey, what's right. You know, everything's inevitable. Are you guys going to still be able to take care of us? Right. Uh, what's going to happen? I mean, that's really important, but um, you know, the, I think our team, I mean, I'd be lying to you. I'm sure I was, I was still being a dumb kid. You know, I, I, right. had, right. I had no tact. I was horrible <laughs> with people. Um, you know, I like to be loose and have fun and cut up, but there right. were times where I thought I said something in a manner that maybe me and you would talk, but right. it probably didn't come out the way I wanted it to. Right. And I'm sure I, I bothered people, but fortunately a lot of them, um, we had a good enough relationship and I think they knew where I was, um, in a, a stage of development, like, Hey dude, don't say it like that. Um, have you thought about this way? Yeah, that's and, great. And it, and it really helped me because a lot of them, like I said, are almost feel like siblings to me because sure. they've kind of seen that dumb kid to, okay, maybe not as dumb progression. Yeah. And they, yeah. but they've helped me out with a lot of that because I couldn't tell how many times where I would do something where it was, it was in, it was in good faith. Yeah. It was in good effort to right. help the business, right. but I went about it like a total banshee and right. like an idiot. And well, it's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's a, it's still, it's a testament to them and the, the culture that was, that was there. Yeah. They've been patient and there's yeah. some that weren't patient that ended up rolling out and yeah. like, I'm not dealing with this right now, but, right. um, that's definitely the minority. The majority of them have, you know, like I said, acted as good mentors, um, and, and really, you know, good leaders in our business too, yeah. because I mean, there's, we, we definitely, uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts and there's one in particular, uh, Jocko podcast. Mm-hmm. He's big on leadership and decentralized command and, you know, you, if you don't give your folks a chance to make decisions wrong or right, um, they never will. And, you know, at one time I remember, I guess, kind of how the business was structured. I mean, there was guys wouldn't be able to put a trash can in a certain spot without, you know, asking certain people. And I'm right. like, this is a little crazy. Yeah. You know, let's, let's lighten this up because again, I'm seeing freedom. Right. You know, I, I don't, if, if I have to, if I'm here with you recording a podcast and our business stops right. and it can't do anything without me there, then I'm not doing a very good job. Right. Neither is our crew. And so we've really tried to implement that mentality and, and we're not the best at it, but we're way better than we were. Sure. We're not experts, but I think we've made a ton of good progress. On well, it. so what are you seeing from the uh, workforce as far as, you know, your, uh, your hiring, your, an expansion? Or are you are you where you need to be? Or are you struggling with turnover? Do you have vacancies? What's going on with your industry? Well, um, I think we're always looking for for really smart, driven, driven people that want to be and and thrive in our environment. Um, I think us being able to find them is a little bit of a challenge. Obviously, uh, do you no have a, do you have a magic trick or a way to go about it? Uh, no, ZipRecruiter, Indeed, Facebook, they all suck. Yeah. So, I yeah. mean, everybody's fishing with the same stuff. And then, um, I mean, right now, the way our unemployment system set up in the state, people just have to show proof they applied. And so mm-hmm. we're, we're recently looking for a, a quality engineer. And um, it's it's a kind of a new role. Um, mm-hmm. We're, as our business has grown, our customers are expecting more and more of us, which is totally fine. That, that should be how it rolls. rolls. But it's a new position, very well paying, and we've had probably half dozen applicants that will submit their resume, and 
we go to schedule an interview, get the interview set up, and they cancel. And they don't really give you, a, like, a warm and fuzzy reason. It's like, I had a change of heart. I'm like, what do you mean you had a change of heart? You know, right. you don't know anything new that you didn't. And it's just because they have to show proof that they applied right. for a job. No intention of showing yeah. up to begin with. Correct. And, um, you know, they want that mailbox money. And, right. you know, what? we don't want people like that. And sure. so what we've seen is a lot of the guys that we have been able to, um, to find have been, you know, just great, hardworking, good mind, glad to be there type folks and most of them are just organic not job ad related at all it's hey i've got a nephew that um that he, he just got out of the military he's a really right. smart guy not me but somebody right. told me this and we're like cool let's talk to him he's a rock star yeah you know we had another one that somebody said he's been at this company for 20 years and i think he's wanting to change they're big corporate um, a lot of red tape um, not the best environment would you be interested in talking to him and our play manager was like, well, heck yeah, why wouldn't we? Wow. And, um, you know, but that's most of our successes. I, I remember, like, any managerial level or middle-level management, uh, I think there was one that that we've that I've hired personally that, uh, that came off of, like, a job posting. Everything else has been through networking or people saying, hey, Dave, um, you know, you've got a cousin that is in this field. Maybe you should talk to him. And right. a lot of our mid, mid-level, mid upper-level management stuff has been in that fashion. It hasn't been blind at all. Somebody's yeah. recommending, which is cool because that means people are looking out for us. But at the same time, that shows you how shallow the pond is. Sure. Yeah, it's uh, it's certainly that way. We're a much smaller outfit here in our uh, chamber office, but it seems like some of the best uh, hires just come through that kind of word-of-mouth relationships. People understand who you are and what you need, and so they can kind of – link up uh, some some people in their head that, that makes sense. It's a good compliment, too, because if anybody's going to put their friend, family member, or whatever in your direction, that means, for one, they, they believe they're going to do a good job, but at the same time, they feel like, okay, your company is going to take care of my friend or family. You right. Know, they're not, right. Sworn enemies aren't being sent your yeah. way, you know, and so that's, that's another, you know, a, a thing that we look at, too, is like, okay, this person is trusting us with their friend, family member, or right. whatever. We have to go absolutely above and beyond and give them every benefit of the doubt, bring them on, train them and treat them like family. I've talked with uh, a few uh, HR professionals uh, with fairly sizable uh, from sizable type companies, um, fortune 500 level companies. And uh, we talk about, you know, what's on the horizon for hiring for these particular types of jobs that are out there, not necessarily advanced manufacturing, but um, in particularly logistics was a conversation I had with somebody and he said, um, you know, the, the schools uh, don't really have people as prepared as we'd hope, so we train them ourselves. But um, as jobs disappear because of the improvements with technology, the skill set required to fill, you know, it does create new jobs, but the skill set's a little higher. Right. Are you seeing that with um, some of the things in your field? I mean, is the technology, um, how accessible is it for somebody who has no uh, background in manufacturing to be able to consider uh, some of the roles that you guys have? One thing we did, uh, I remember when I first started, um, I got a lot of flack for it because it was the old, like, all right, well, you train these people and they leave. And it's that, you've heard the adage, well, what if you don't and they stay? And, right, right. And we kind of had that back and forth because our uh, our average age when I started was, you know, everybody was upper 40s younger 50s and I was the youngest guy there about like 25 years I mean yeah. there was a long shot and um, or at least close to it as far as skilled guys were and you know 
at that point, you're sitting there recognizing this gap, and I think that's when it was its lowest um, as far as the trades go. I think the economic downturn was a good wake-up call for our, our country and state. Sure. Um, so we started to work to set up like an official state-certified apprenticeship program. And like I said, there was, it was met with some flack, but at the same time, it, you know, finally get over that hump, and you're like, all right, we're going to do this. Uh, let's, let's give folks, you know, a reason to want to be here and uh, some motivation to learn. You know, sure. I, I don't think anybody would ever be against professional development and getting better at something in their life. And so we did that. And we, um, so we have a, a local trade school. It's called the Kentucky and Machining Association. And, you know, for many years, we sent our guys there. And, um, you know, unfortunately, they're kind of limited on funding and things that they can do. And you were talking about access to technology. Um, you know, it was out of Southern High School in J-Town. And right. Our guys would go there uh, at night after sc- or after work for a couple hours on Tuesdays, Thursdays, or Wednesday, Monday, Wednesday, depending on what year they were. And they'd do it for four years. And then they'd have on-the-job training. Um, but what we were learning, um, our guys would come in and be like, you know, the machines we have are, you know, 20 years newer than what we're learning on. Oh, and wow. We're, we're, so we kind of had a post-mortem the spring, and we had a guy graduate. And he's actually a North Oldham grad. So another Oldham County right. guy. Yeah. And uh, he graduated from our apprenticeship program. And super bright, bright guy. Um, great dude. Extremely smart. And we just, he's a trusted person too. You know, he's sure. important to the business. And I remember we pulled him aside and was like, all right, cool. You graduated. Good job. Um, what do you think of it? Give us, just take your gloves off and let's hear it. And, you know, he kind of. He kind of shredded him, man. Wow. Um, and, I mean, he wasn't trying to be mean about it, but at the same time, he's got three or four other guys that, you know, are coworkers that are in the program with him. And, you know, if, if we're paying – because we, we pay their tuition 100%. Um, as long as you get B's or better, full tuition reimbursement. Obviously, we want people to apply themselves and do a good job, and that's kind of the motivation to get that reimbursement. But, you know, we don't want anybody to graduate with any debt or anything like that, especially if, if, if it's helping us too. You know, that's only yeah, fair. yeah. And we we don't want those guys to go through the same thing with him. And he said, I learned more here than I do there. And, yeah. I mean, I get it on the job training is always going to be more relevant. But, sure. like, when 10% of it might have filled some gaps instead right. of maybe 60, that's kind of a red flag. So it's kind of cool. We have a – I'd consider a friend, um, Nikki Cobb, down at KCTCS. Mm-hmm. Um, she is a super bright soul, extremely, extremely cool, extremely helpful. She's helped our business a lot, but they'll – they'll kind of interface with the business world and interact with both the student side and the business side. So they would come do lean training and like lean, lean manufacturing concepts. We were first rolling those out in the, you know, mid 2015 range. Um, she would come do training or five S or root cause analysis, problem solving, things like that. And unbeknownst to us, um, I don't know how they did it, but they got a, a ton of money and built a, killer school downtown i mean it's bad we went and visited it i want to say this may and it was right after we had interviewed um our apprentice who graduated now he's a journeyman machinist and we said hey you said the technology um where you're learning now isn't great um why don't we try to find another place for us and so he was all in and so we took him and a couple other of the guys that are in it and took him over there and place is top-notch man wow that's Uh, great and and it's really cool and reassuring to see uh, that there was actually technology there that we didn't have you know and that's what means the most is if if your school's teaching above and beyond what you're using that's a really good sign 
Uh, but full computer labs, I mean, I want to say they spent like 30 million bucks on this building wow. is I think the number that was thrown out to us. Wow. And it's industrial maintenance. And a lot of the big companies, too, are throwing their students this way. And so after our guys left there, I remember it was raining. And, I mean, it was like we just went to the state fair. We were high-fiving and just stoked. And we asked them, where should we go? Where should we send our crew this year? And, I mean, it was kind of like a, why are you even asking us this look? And so that was that was that decision was made, and I, th I think starting like next week or two, um, our guys are going to start going there for their uh, supplemental training. That and then Shelby Campus also has a good one too. Yeah. But you know, if, if without that, you're teaching them technology that's way beyond what they're learning right. in school, and so school is kind of checking a box that doesn't matter. Right. That's kind of getting into the whole college conversation. I right. feel like in a lot of aspects, it's checking boxes that that don't matter. And I get sure. it; it's supposed to make you a more well-rounded person, but. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, people and students want to understand, like, how's this going to affect my life? How's it going to affect my career, my family? And right. then a lot of it's my income. Right. And, um, you know, there's we, we were able to sift through a lot of that. And, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm getting on the KMA. They've, they've done a really good job. And, they you know, they're great guys. They're friends of ours, too. But um, I think we were sending a guy, and it's partly our fault, too. I think we were sending guys to a program that maybe wasn't tailored for us. Right. And so um, – We've changed. I think it's going to be a really good thing. Our guys are excited, and um, it'll it'll end up helping them out, you know, tremendously. Um, that's really interesting. That's that's uh, that's heartening. I mean, that that's a that's a good story. I was um, we've heard so many kind of awful stories on how it's impossible to hold on to anybody um, access to even remotely educated. We kind of uh, accidentally was, fell into it. Yeah, too. I mean, it sounds like yeah. it, it did work out, and then it fit what you all were trying to do. But again, also that investment in your employees, it sounds like that's, again, that's part of that culture that, yeah. uh, that lifted you up when you stepped into leadership there. Um, and I want to, I'm going to put a pin in college because I keep wanting to get to it because that's the indulgent part of this conversation for me. Um, but when it comes to the technology, I just, this is another part that's, that's kind of interesting is, you know, we've got this um, economy that is so largely service-based here, I guess, in the country. Um, and a lot of, we work with a lot of entrepreneurs um, through the, the chamber and whatnot. But, you know, when you get to large capital investments to start businesses, you talked about, you got to have a partner, you better have a banker, you better have some sort of way to kind of get these things off the ground. That was back in 69. Um, and of course, you know, it's that times a zillion now. Uh, when it comes to those types of investments, you also have a lot of people that they'll take that entrepreneurial bent and they'll go into the service industry of some kind uh, where there's not as much overhead, you know, whether it's opening their own uh, marketing business or, um, you know, insurance agency or whatever. Not that there's not overhead accounted, but when you're talking about some of the machinery that you use, we're talking about some of the highest tech, uh, tech machinery that exists in manufacturing. With technology having such a fast... Um, I think there's, and I don't even know if this holds up, but this is a little, this might even be antiquated uh, fact info, but there's a, a, a law, Moore's Law, that talks about processing speeds for computers. Um, they can kind of uh, predict how fast processing speeds can get over time because as technology gets better, it gets better faster because the technology is better. And so you have this exponential growth in not just the quality of the technology, but how fast it gets better. As somebody who has to stay on top of that technology to keep, um, you know, I guess your costs down for your clients and whatnot, is it something that becomes 
Uh, do you find yourself in a constant having to shift out to new types of machinery, new types of software? Uh, and then does that bring in new types of training and certification? Obviously, new equipment would, but you know, is that something that is hard to keep up with, or is that just another uh, another day of the shop? I think it's it's easier than people think, um, but it's also kind of ingrained in you. You know, I'm on social media like anybody, but you know, it's I follow probably a couple hundred manufacturing related pages and you know, you do that purposefully. So that stuff's in your face at all times right. and you're not really having to go dig and find new technology. It's always being thrown at you and you kind of set it up to where I'm being served it and it, right. it's not as hard to, to keep up with it. But you know, our, our crew as as well as, you know, educating ourselves, getting smarter, getting more efficient there's a lot of stuff we can do with existing equipment that will be automated. And I think a lot right. of folks get that wrong um, is automation doesn't mean robots. Right. We've got a lot of machines that some of them are 10 years old and we've kind of opened our minds, figured out, Hey, maybe we can program this in a different fashion where instead of Ryan and Dave sitting there unloading and loading parts, can we use a bar puller? Can we use a bar feeder? Can we use a parts catcher? You know, is it going to roll a burr on a part that we're going to have to, get manually or can we knock that burr off in the machine and we're just unloading parts sure and so we recognized a long time ago and i think a lot of people did that uh, it's not like you can call trinity high school and say hey give me your top five guys and they're going to be machinists next year right. you know they don't it doesn't really work like that and so what we started doing is we obviously anybody that has a great character and work ethic and a, and, a, and a good mentality we want them but in between those rare finds and hard to find we're building our machine processes around the technology and the equipment right and so you know 10 years ago we might have a guy standing there loading one lathe, loading another and just kind of hanging out waiting for the cycle to finish um, now we bought machines that have i mean this is new technology but how you use it is um, probing and we'll probe a part, and instead of Ryan or Dave measuring the part, making an offset, rerunning it, the machine will probe it, and that's what I was telling you. Like, it, there's some of them. Once it's set up and it's running, I can probably show somebody like you in a matter of a couple of days on how to accurately load the part, unload it, and measure it outside the machine, but keep the green light burning. And obviously, we, the guys that set all those processes up are extremely gifted and, and extremely smart and have to do a lot to get it there. But um, we, what it does is it helps us avoid, you know, if, if somebody calls in, it's like, all right, that machine can still run. Right. You know, you don't right. have to have a, a subject matter expert to run that machine. Um, it can run without anybody standing there. And so right. we've, we've really tried to put some money and investment towards the technology to where, you know, it's, we're not as, our constraint won't be, as felt because our, I mean, everybody's constraint right now is, is, is help, you know, right. employees, team members. Right. And, but if you use technology to your advantage and you kind of open your mind and how you, you go after those, even if it's with existing stuff, you can minimize that. And that's, I feel like that's what we've done a good job of. And that's kind of what set us apart. You know, we've got one of our buildings will have, um, by the end of this month, we'll have, I think eight lathes running, and they're running with bar feeders, and all of them are green lighting. And most times, we'll just have one person in the building looking after them. Yeah. Um, like I said, ten years ago, we would have had four to five people. Wow. And um, it's not 
you know, if you look at the average average income of the guys looking after these machines is probably I don't know the exact percentage, but probably close to double what it was back when it was split up with, you know, four or five guys. Um, we're paying guys almost double what we were in 2010. Wow. And um, we always tell them, like, hey, don't work with your back, please. Just work with your mind. Yeah. Let's challenge you. Let's make these machines hum, and let's let's make their technology help us. But I would much rather pay some, somebody 25, 30 bucks an hour and, you know, use their mind rather than having – five or six folks that, you know, making lesser wages, you know, 12, 13 bucks an hour and, you know, having to deal with that and then, right. you know, chase all those issues. Well, um, is there, what, um, uh, you mentioned, all right, uh, firearms parts, uh, auto parts, I think that was, those are t- some of the types we're of things you've done. Have yeah, you we're non-automotive. Automotive is okay. kind of the devil for us. Okay. Um, it's, I don't mean to spit on it. But no, no, uh, that's good. But uh, material handling is Material handling and firearms and suppressors and, um, like, heavy equipment is, like, our biggest markets. Right. Um, We did some off-highway, like, commercial vehicle stuff for a while, uh, but it it was kind of connected to automotive, and we kind of wanted to shy away from it. We've learned automotive is pretty cutthroat, um, and it's they see machining and our services as a commodity. Sure. And it's just a lot to manage, and also the requirements of it – for what the the spread is on a company our size, yeah. it, it's just it's very cumbersome. Yeah, it's a good yeah. way to put it. Is um anything super weird or cool you made over the years where you had a contract to make something like, wow, this is kind of strange or or out of the ordinary? Anything? We've being in contract manufacturing, you see a variety of stuff. Um, you know, I thought it was cool to see the suppressors. I didn't know. Yeah, that, I didn't know how silencers for guns. If you're uh, a late, a to late, the late person. person, yeah, that's right. Yeah. If you're into the James Bond movies. Um, that that was a cool eye opener. And again, that was just something. It's not something we were hunting. It, it just right. kind of organically happened. And um, um, a vendor who became a, a friend introduced us to you know the industry and and folks in the industry, and it's blown up. And you know, it was kind of an accident, but. As far as like weird stuff, man, we've made things that like big simulator guns that are they're non-functioning, but they're just supposed to look like a gun for clearance sakes. Um, we make parts that go on the the phalanx, um, which is the oh, wow. yeah. If you're familiar, look it up. Raytheon phalanx. Yeah, um, we do a lot of refurb work for that. Um, and it's it's been a wild variety, even down to something like a, a zip line. You know, oh like really? Something weird like it? Yes, like a zip line part. Uh, Parts that go in like a big industrial shredders. Um, it's <laughs> like, like I said, I wish I, I could have had a picture, like show every, all the listeners a picture of all the weird applications for stuff because it's in contract manufacturing, you never know yeah. what the demand's going to be. Um, but yeah, I think I think probably the, the zip line was the weirdest one. I mean, sure. So was it just the wire or is it the. No, it's actually the the thing that you're that's holding your body and it's got like brakes and pulleys oh, and right. the attachments and all that. I mean, it, this was probably eight to 10 years ago, but you know, you don't think of that. Did you try one out? Negative. I think it went to Hawaii um, is like word on the street, but what's well, the uh, hand delivery on that, right? You yeah. Take them, drop them off in Hawaii. That would have been sweet. <laughs> yeah. I think we had to make like a hundred of them too, but um, wow. I remember seeing those drawings and I'm like, holy crap, you know what? what is this? And, uh, <laughs> it, it was cool though, you know, um, and looking how they're built, you know, you can understand why they're so robust and sure, you know, it's, it all makes sense. But at the same time, you're just sitting there thinking like, 
what's going on? Yeah. You know, yeah. this is a zip line. I don't even, a trolley, maybe that's what it's called. Yeah, that would make sense. That's yeah, I think it's a trolley. trolley. Yeah. yeah, it rides on the, on the cable. Man, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I could, uh, I'm not a big, a, I'm not a big fan of heights, so. Really? Uh, or widths <laughs> for that matter, but the heights thing is the worst. It's, uh, yeah, it's the, um, it's not the falling, it's the landing part. that You don't feel it. Yeah, I don't, I'm not, ex- yeah, I don't get would, excited about it. I don't even know you're dead, it. apparently. Well, I've heard that. I've heard drowning also is another, this is getting dark. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, and so let's go, I want to go indulgent. And, and this is, and I say indulgent just because this is a little, uh, obviously I'm going to be, um, I'm, I'm biased in, in how I'll ask the questions. <coughs> but in relation to, I'm, I'm raising a 16-year-old and a 13-year-old, are both at uh, North High and North Middle. And, uh, you know, we're talking a lot about college and, and plans for the future and what options are there. I'm, uh, I ended up going to college and getting a, a bachelor's degree uh, from UofL, and um, it was something that was just kind of the next step. It wasn't, I wasn't particularly driven to do anything. I thought I wanted to go to law school. And uh, I was able to work and kind of pay my way through. I had a little scholarship for the first year, um, and I didn't want to declare a major in that subject. So I just kind of stuck with it, but it was fine. I didn't hate school. I actually liked college more than most um, of the schooling that I had prior to that. I probably college because of the schooling or the extracurriculurs? Well, no, not that. I mean, oddly, you know, U of L was pretty commutery of a school, so there wasn't a ton yeah. of extracurriculars there. Uh, but, um, you know, I had a great time. I did like the learning style being a lot looser. I went to male uh, high school, so you were at Trinity. So, I mean, we were both in fairly strict environments. So what I liked about, uh, for me, my personality was um, going into college classrooms and they don't really care if you show up or not. Or they'll fail you. And I remember seeing somebody care. eat or drink for the yeah, first time. And in that school? was so foreign. I was like, I know. oh, my gosh. Or those what shirt are tails you doing? untucked. And right. you're like, man, this is like being... Yeah. This is Rumspringa here, yeah. uh, out there in the yeah. world. Animal House. So, yeah, but I actually, that opened me up to be a little bit more receptive to, and I like the lecture style uh, teaching and whatnot. So, um, so I enjoyed it fine. I don't, I, I'm sure I got some things out of it um, professionally. I certainly learned some things related to turn your papers in on time and learn how to do what's being asked and follow directions and some of those things. But, it's, you know, substantively, it's hard to retain anything you're not using. Uh, out of fairness at school, but also, you know, that was in, I graduated in 97 um, from UofL, and so fast forward, we're in 2021, and I've got a couple of kids who are, are looking at college, and what we would be doing, and, uh, you know, the culture at college campuses has always been a certain way, um, but it's it's certainly changing in a lot of ways, um, I have nieces and nephews, we've talked about these things, and other young people where they've talked about what the experience on campus is relative to the cultural uh, of how things are being taught, not just the substance, but how the substance of things are being taught. Um, and so it doesn't necessarily line up with my personal uh, values in a lot of ways. There's a lot of political um, charts that's there. It's a very woke environment. I'll just go ahead and say it. I'm tiptoeing around it, but, and, and that's great, whatever. Um, however, it's not really great. It's not great. It's terrible. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but, but you look at, you have a child. Uh, I, I think a lot of people have kids out there who are, maybe they're particularly gifted or driven in an area. They kind of know what they want to do. Uh, maybe they want to be an engineer like yourself or um, a doctor or attorney or something where you're going to need that extra schooling and to go into that. I just want mine potty trained. That, that's that's I'm, my goal I'm right in now. There. I'm there. Yep. A lot of college, uh, parents of college kids want the same, I think. <laughs> but the, it's, you know, when you look at what, 
planning for the future is for some young people if they aren't if they're still figuring it out it used to be college is a great place to go get a uh, small l liberal education um, where you learn through the humanities and you learn through uh, not just your math class and your science class but some of the other things and because of that cultural change that's happened on a lot of campuses that people are pretty uh, vocal about uh, and given that the expense of college has gone up so much, um, it's very and common. The discount colleges have gotten ridiculous. This, I mean, out of control. I mean, and also the well, you can go to community college for some of the credits and then switch over. And then, of course, every scenario I've heard that the the credits don't switch very well. It's not um, real sexy. Yeah, and then you get on the other side of it, you got tens of thousands of dollars of of debt, and your job prospects related to having a bachelor's degree aren't necessarily that big a deal. Meanwhile. We've got these other areas uh, within the trades where you've got, um, and, and for, for people that aren't familiar, I mean, really exciting. Uh, your facility was a place that was the energy in the place from the, the workers. You could tell the people that, that were working there liked what they were doing. There was a lot of camaraderie you could feel kind of between uh, your team. We talk a lot of smack. Um, yeah, lot, it was good, fun yeah. env- environment, kind of hanging out. But But there was also... Really cool stuff being made, uh, and when you make something in your hands, there's there's a connection you have to it that's um, a little bit different from just you know filing reports and doing some of the things that I do with my soft hands here. But um, <laughs> dish but pan it, hands. It was that's right, that's right. <laughs> it was a great, but it was a, it was a really interesting experience. And as we've worked with, um, you know, from Oldham County Schools, Matt Matt Watkins at uh, the Arvin Center, um, and JCTC up in Carroll County and whatnot, and and, and learn about how we're trying to get up and through the Kentucky and works board where we we see these opportunities in, in manufacturing and just, I think there's an education piece for parents and, and for the students uh, to kind of say, you know, this is not just a realistic path from a monetary or a, a future, uh, you know, income standpoint, but it's also a very cool job. I mean, we're not necessarily talking about smokestacks and toxic waste or right. those types of things. We're talking about, uh, building something that is uh, epoxy is floors, abuse. LED yeah, lights. Right. I mean, and it's it's very clean yeah. and fun. Clean, uh, fun environment. So, do you? What is your What is your sense? You've, so you you've got a a child being potty trained. You're gonna get not deep? yet. She's 20 months today. Actually. Oh well. And then I've got a four week old. That's she's still got a couple four days weeks. before we uh, potty train her. She's well. So hopefully right. by September. So, um, what are your thoughts on, from a parenting standpoint, from a employer standpoint, with some of the, the maybe young people you've seen come through, uh, maybe some who've worked out and some who haven't, do you think it's a, we're at a point where some people should consider just saying, you know, I don't think college is a smart choice uh, at this point. It, it kind of used to be that if you don't know what you're going to do, maybe just go ahead and get your degree and then you'll have that piece of paper. Um, and I know some employers, it's a big deal to have that piece of paper. Um, here at the chamber, we have a lot of uh, different types of skills that we're kind of looking for. And college degree, I guess, I guess we notice it on a resume, um, but it's not necessarily a driver of what success is. Um, and I found that a lot of other employers tend to be saying some of that same thing: is you know, just because you have your degree really doesn't mean anything to us. It all. Uh, I mean, to me, it just means y- you finish something, right? Um, and I mean, don't, don't get me wrong, college has its place. I don't think it's Plan A. I think it's plan A and, uh, or a plan. And then I think, you know, pursuing a trade is a plan, but I don't think one over the other. And I think different folks or whatever, different strokes for different folks type things in this situation, because, um, the, I don't think it's earnings potential. I I think that's the stigma and hopefully that's finally leaving Mm -hmm. because there's such a shortage and there's been one for 
know, 15 years now. So, I mean, that shortage just continues to grow. The age right. gap, gap continues to grow, and that just puts a a larger value on, you know, younger guys in, now, in, in times right now. So, like, a, a quick story. Um, I've got really close family friends, um, guys like a brother. I'm friends with his kids, too. Um, dad's like a brother. And, you know, the son was a, a gifted high school athlete and, you know, probably could have gone D1 on a athletic scholarship. Um, but he's always been very mechanical, hands-on. He's a worker, you know, not afraid to work. And he'll, uh, you know, help his dad run equipment or, you know, mow lawns or whatever. And I remember there was a crossroads for them um, to where it, there wasn't really, like, college didn't seem like a home run. It didn't seem like something you wanted to do. And I was asked my opinion, and I said, then don't. Please right. don't. There's right. If you don't want to do it, then don't. And I said, there's so many other opportunities. And I, I think his family felt the same way. They just, uh, there's probably outside pressure and the, the optics of it to folks. Like, oh, no, you know, if, if you don't go to college, you, you're not going to have, and that's such BS in today's times. But um, he actually, he is going, he's, he's an apprentice um, for a, a company here in the region. And in four years, he's basically been told that you'll make a six-figure salary. So this kid's going to be 22 years old zero debt. Um, he's going to make a lot of scratch along the way because college kids, everybody right. says, I'm a, I'm an old broke college student. Right. So um, they're already starting off late. And then, so he's going to be working and then have a six figure salary when he's 22. And he made money along the way. The worst story I've heard since then is um, another family has a son who is a, a gifted athlete. Um, I think he got a couple small college offers to, to play a sport and, uh, but he didn't want to. I think he wanted to be um, I think a lineman or something like that or a police, something, a police officer, um, more of a, a different path. And from what I remember, I think he, he was encouraged, like, all right, we'll just do a, a year or two. And, um, you know, it wasn't a full ride or anything, but do a year or two, and then you can kind of do your own thing. And I'm just sitting there thinking, like, what, what's that teaching somebody? Right. You know, are you doing that for the good of the, the right. student or the kid, or are you doing it for because it makes you feel good because, hey, I – I get to say my kids in college, you right. know, that, that doesn't right. mean anything. Right. And so, I mean, honestly, I don't see the college thing getting any better. College is a big business. And sure. until, you know, student loans are, if, if, as long as the government continues to back them, um, it's never going to go away. Right. It's a huge money grab. Right. And I'm, I'm kind of getting on a soapbox here, but I, I mean, I, I think that's the God's honest truth. I really yeah. do. Um, you know, you see, you, I, I work near U of L, so I'll cut through there to get something to eat sometimes. And, New dorms, you know, new everything all the time. And I'm a U of L fan. I went sure. to U of L, love yeah. the school. Um, but you kind of understand, and you can kind of see through the, I guess the the sheets, if you will. And you're like, holy crap, this is this is all a business. Yeah. And it's but it's business that's also backed by by future money. You know, it's right. you're, you're going into debt to even a cost of enter, and the government backs it. So like, there's very little risk. Yeah. Um, involved for a student. I remember I had student loans. I graduated with quite a bit of them and I got some grants and some scholarships, but it wasn't a full ride. And you feel like you're playing with house money when you're 19 and you, you know, you get that federal Stafford loan that's subsidized and it hits your, you know, cards account and you're like, yeah. all right, cool. You know, you don't realize what that means until you're out and you graduate. And then now that it's no longer in deferral and it's right. like, all right, buddy. Pay up. Follow you for a long time. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it, it can if you don't if you don't play play it right. And yeah. that's the wake up call. Yeah. And I, like I said, 
went to college. I went yeah. to college, same thing. Um, but it feels like house money when you're there until you're out, and then it's cold water, and you're like, <laughs> oh, crap, I'm making, you know, $12 an hour. This isn't working. Yeah. What kind of plan was this? Yeah. And uh, But I do think, you know, there's still a huge – huge benefit to it you know like i said sure you got your i would consider your your other trades you know everything's a trade but you've got your med schools and your accountancies and you know, your, your lawyers and things like that engineering right. uh, that's got to happen that that can't go away but i think the ones like like you said like a some of the ones that don't really have a, a career path right i think should be think they should be revisited or looked at right and maybe we'll, don't borrow money if you're not sure what you want to do or if you don't know what you want to do with there's a degree. no demand for it then right. but don't be mad when you graduate with a degree that has no market value yeah. you, you did it because you liked it and there's that's why you did it because it's right. interesting but you didn't understand that there may not be a market value to it right and right. i think that's where it goes wrong is people get offended about it and they're like all right well forgive my student loans and right it's like you you studied you know Caterpillar studies, you know, sure, you, you, right? There's no market for that. Well, Don't be I think mad there's, about a, there's a large interest in when you look at, uh, and it's been a few years back. I was on uh, a board where we were looking at the number of um, pathways for students to choose, and I think this was in Jefferson County. Um, and let's say that they had this is an Oldham County podcast. Uh, that's right. This is an Oldham County podcast. We had, let's say, we had there were fifty or sixty different kind of career type tracks you could you could kind of zone in on uh, in Jefferson County. Well, at the point where they got to um, the students and asking them what they wanted to major in, like it was something like 78% of the students were choosing some sort of video production or kind of arts-related type fields. Um, and there's this, uh, there's this quote, I think it was John Adams or Thomas Jefferson. This is, I'm paraphrasing, but it was something along the lines of I study war and politics so that my children can study math and science so that their children can study uh, the humanities and the arts. Uh, and it was one of those things where that is, you know, our society kind of got into a point where, you know, we started talking about restart your somewhere. And, uh, yeah, we produce such decadence that the, the freedom and the comfort we have, uh, the soft hands I was mentioning before, you know, we end up with uh, a, a sizable amount of people in the next generation that are kind of focused on some of those um I guess, different types of skills that aren't necessarily things you would build a career around. Right. Um, I come from a, a background, our, our family had a, uh, has a music business. Um, and so I grew up in the arts. I grew up around the arts for a long time. Um, but there's, there's, there can be a sense amongst artists of uh, various kinds, musicians, comedians, painters, whatever, poets, um, that, you know, I, I love this. This is what should, my career should be. And it's like, well, I don't know that you're. If uh, you can monetize it, and you're, if you, you know, can. very and above beware, average, then uh, of what that's going to be like if yes, you do it. Yeah, um, there's there's a grind there, and you've got to recognize that in order to do that, I need to be elite at what I do. That's right. You're and playing a very small uh, set you're of splitting odds. hair. Yeah, it's that's same. Right. You know how many? I'm sure you played sports as a kid. Yeah. All of us wanted to be a pro athlete, right. Um, right. but it's razor thin. And right. if you don't recognize that, I mean, I think it's like I said, it goes back to market. There's only so many elite artists That's and right. elite musicians. Right. Um, you know, those are the cream of the crop. And unless you recognize, like, okay, if I really want to make a, a really healthy and, you know, sustainable living at this, I need to be elite. Yeah. Uh, if not, I'm not mad at anybody. Uh, I've got a backup plan. That's okay. Yeah. But don't get mad if, if there is no That's backup right. plan and you're not elite, you know. Well, and you also may uh, be able – and I think this is, you know, culturally, uh, I think a lot of people identify – 
so much with their career. Uh, it's such a big part of all of our identities that uh, it can be painful if you're not in the in your passion. Um, yeah. And so I wish I, w- I was a professional baseball player. Yeah, that's know? right. There, but there are elements of uh, you know, if you're a musician, you can still play music and you can still be a musician. You just aren't necessarily going to you know make your living at whatever level that way. Or you could be a, a insert here what your what your thing is. But you also have to have a job, or you have to have a way to pay those bills, and there's right. some sort of kind of responsibility that's a balance there. Sure. Um, and then there's also that those moments where it's like, okay, well, maybe we take the risk and we try to do this thing, and we give it a while to to see if we can become that elite level or uh, put everything we've got into one basket and go a direction. Um, and I think a lot of uh, I think some good things about our culture uh, encourage people to take those jumps, take those leaps. I mean, there are a lot of memes about them out there, and um, you know, uh, good fuzzy feelings, but I also think there's there's kind of the another trajectory where you well, can. It's, it's helped can find. I mean, look at our. I guess you could talk about the amount of artists or musicians or producers. I mean, the the quality of all of that over the years has, I guess, depending on your like of genre, I would say has has diversified and it's grown. Yeah. You know, I feel like there's right. much better music selections and much more well-rounded musical selections, but that's because right. there's some folks, maybe they didn't study in college, but which that doesn't mean anything. They, right. they Like Elon Musk says, if you want to know something, go look it up. You that's can right. teach yourself anything. That's right. And that's what a lot of folks have done. But it's like you said, because that comfort that was established, it's like, all right, let's give it a shot. Well, and also anything you're going to succeed at, you've got your mind, you've got that grind. It gets go, you're going to still have to have that sure. grit. Um, if you're going to make films, you're going to need to know the equipment and the technology, and you're going to have to educate yourself on film. It's not just write your story and uh, get your friends to produce it or whatever, yeah. or, or go apply for a job or go get a film degree at a college and then take your $50,000 worth of debt with you and start <laughs> applying online to make films. Go yeah. make films. Yeah, uh, make TikToks, yeah, anything. That's right. You start yeah. doing the thing, and it becomes a thing. Um, well, I've had you for an hour and 10 minutes, so I appreciate you being generous with your time. Last question going out of here, one thing that's always interesting is what types of things do you do when you're not working, when you're not being a dad uh, and a husband? What kind of things are you out there? What's, what's the fun part of uh, when you're blowing off steam? What do you do? I uh, love to uh, I hunt. A lot. Uh, we what do you hunt? Um, anything. Yeah. Um, my biggest passion is just white-tailed deer. Okay. And then, um, you know, I'm trying to kind of get into elk hunting more. It's just a little bit more not in elk, prime elk hunting territory. But uh, you get like one tag a year or something like that? Is that how that uh, goes? You can draw. You can put in for a draw here in Kentucky um, and never get drawn like me. Uh, <laughs> so that's kind of happened. So I'm, I'm wanting to plan a trip out west next year, New Mexico or Colorado. Um that's that's a big passion. You know, we live on a farm out in Westport, and um, so we 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 like to manage the property and you know for for wildlife and, and hunt there. Um, but you know, another big one is my wife and I and family. We love to travel. You know, we take our our kids everywhere, um, and you know, it could be travel locally, internationally, nationally. You know, it's I'm sure there's adult trips in the horizon here and there, but we just want our girls to be able to experience a lot of cool places and do yeah. cool stuff. And um, you don't hear many folks in our area say it, but you know, we're, we love to snowboard diehard snowboarders. You know, we like to we started heli snowboarding a couple years ago and uh, really like yeah. helicopter snow. Is that yeah. What you're about? In the coastal mountains of Canada you dropped off on a mountain and you snowboard yeah. down. It's pretty gnarly. It's you talk about an <laughs> adrenaline rush. The Wait, how do you go from not doing that to doing that? Who introduced you? To That's it? the thing. Like, did you look it up? Or? My favorite is we'll be in uh, like Whistler Canada is our favorite place on earth to snowboard. And uh, they'll be like, you'll hear people say, where are you from? I'm from Wyoming, Colorado, Vermont. I'm from Kentucky. And it's like, you're, 
And uh, like, how the hell are you snowboarding? Why? And uh, honestly, it started, uh, I started going to Paoli. I joined the, the snowboard club when I was at Trinity, and we'd ride a, a bus up there on Fridays during the wintertime and uh, started snowboarding then and just planned my first trip. We didn't get to travel much as kids and planned my first trip to uh, Colorado when I was 18. I was a freshman in college, and I'm probably sure I used leftover student loan money to fund that. <laughs> Something stupid. I don't remember. I worked at Dick's Sporting Goods, but uh, there's no way that could have funded at Colorado. I don't remember how we paid for it, but we did. But, uh, yeah, it just snowballed, I guess, no pun intended. But, yeah, um, and you just ride – steeper and gnarlier terrain as you go you get comfortable take some lessons ride with people way better than you ask dumb questions and oh my gosh push the limit i used to wakeboard a lot and you know, i wakeboarded competitively a lot so oh, wow. uh, back in the in the day um but that's not good for your knees so a lot of good snowboarding uh down the mountain uh, videos are more like you know, um, just graceful falling the way i see some of those guys they yeah large swaths of uh, air yeah <laughs> it's a lot of powder um you kind of get used to it though but yeah that's i'd say hunting snowboarding play golf here and there i'm a hack uh, but have fun doing it um i started playing tennis this year so you know just like stay active work out you know yeah. stay in shape but a little bit of everything well uh i appreciate your time uh and sharing your story about your business we're uh we're glad you're here in oc uh maybe one day your uh your business will be here in oc too that would be nice. That's the goal. Well, we uh, we appreciate it. And uh, thanks for being here today. And we'll probably uh, invite you back if you'd be willing to be part of a, a panel discussion where we could do a little bit more broad uh, topic type stuff. Yeah, I would love that. It'd be a good time. We'll have fun with it. Awesome. Ryan Steele, CNS Machine. Thanks. All right. Really enjoyed talking to Ryan. Interesting guy. Another amazing person here in Oldham County. I hope you guys have a great rest of the August. We'll be back here soon. I'll have uh, Al Early coming up on the podcast soon. Dr. Molly Rutherford will give us some uh, insight into how to manage your business through the COVID regulations as she kind of helps explain some of the complexities of dealing with coronavirus. I mean, gosh, when is this thing going to be over? Really appreciate you being here, Oldham County. If you need something, reach out to us at the podcast. You can you can reach me directly at david at oldhamcountychamber.com if you've got any ideas for guests. If you'd like to be a guest, if, you, if there's a topic you'd like to talk about, if you want to come in and, and just vent about something going on in uh, Oldham County or brag about something going on, you can always do that. So we appreciate you being with us. We look forward to seeing you here soon.